Insert theme song here. We get knocked down, but we get up again. You are never going to keep us down. Welcome to A Warped to Remember. <laughs> okay, who was that? Tell us who that Oh, I'm sorry. That was just like a gem that I came up with off the cuff. Yeah, I wrote that. Totally. <laughs> uh, that's the 1997 hit Tub Something by Chumbawamba, in case you're wondering. <laughs> Welcome. I'm Rachel. This is Zoe. Apparently, my mom said we sound like an infomercial when we do our intro, so. Do you have trouble opening pots? <laughs> jars <laughs> we can't help with that so no um, uh, but what do we do here zoe what we do we are a podcast that looks back at warp tour all 25 brilliant years of it looking at the bands the songs the outfits the tour itself and just seeing what it was like what was happening really just giving you um, a deep dive into Warp Tour. And one of the things that we love to do is to look back at some of the biggest songs of each year that Warp Tour was uh, playing. And completely play favorites and oh, talk about our very specific 100%. memories associated with these oh, yeah. songs. Yeah, these, this is very much a uh, personal podcast. It's a personal journey. Yeah, personal journey. Um, so today we are going to look at our favorite songs and some of the top songs from 1997. Spoiler alert, Chumbawamba is not involved. I just wanted to give him a shout out at the top. (laughs) Unless you secretly picked them. I mean... So Zoe and I each pick three songs, and we don't tell the other what they are, and we're going to reveal them. We're going to talk about them. If you missed any of our other episodes, that's what we do here for the most part. And then next week's going to be our monthly special where we talk about the history of 1997 Warp Tour and what was going on. And there was a lot going on. Ooh, so, so it will be fun as shit. Spoiler alert, I did the research for it. Yeah, <laughs> it was so really fun. Good. It was really fun. But um, also, at the top of the app, want to throw out that we have a bunch of social media and you can give us a shout on social yeah. media. So we're on Instagram at A Warped to Remember. We are on Facebook at A Warped to Remember. And we have a MySpace. Hell yeah. Hit us up. I would die if we had followers on MySpace. And also our Twitter is at warped number two, remember, because Twitter are fascists and they wouldn't let us do the whole handle. So keep that in mind and like hit us up. We would be delighted. Excellent. So we are going to jump right into our songs today. Yes. Do you want to go first? I will go first. Yes. All right. So this was from a band that has been a warp tour from the beginning, pretty much. I mean, they are like, if you had to name five bands that you thought probably went to warp tour, this would be one of them. This is a great song. It came off of an album in 97. I believe it was also released in 97. And we're going to play it and see what you think. I'm ready. This is Society by Pennywise. Society. Hmm, I didn't catch that. Did you not? I, let me. Society. 
Pennywise is just like such a mainstay of Warp Tour. Oh, like hell I yeah. first heard about them because of Warp Tour. They have been around forever. Um, they this was off the album um, Full Circle. We just came full circle. We just came full circle. <laughs> this is off the album Full Circle that came out in 97. It was remastered in 2005. Cool. Um, but they are uh, a band from Hermosa Beach, California. Yes, they formed, bitch. Right? So they're that good California punk formed in 1988. Um, and the band did, in fact, take its name from Stephen King's yes. It. So, yes, it is. They are named after Pennywise the Clown. Um But they... Oh, God, they've been around forever. Yeah. Um, and they're still... I think they're still producing music. They might even be on this year. I think they might be. Yeah. Uh, They are just so ingrained in, uh, in Warped Tour, in the punk scene. I think one of the reasons why I wanted to choose this song was because it was just so wonderfully punk of just, you're raging against the man. You're raging against specifically society. I think they even talk about taxes in the song. Uh Like, pay your taxes, stand in line, you can vote or get a life. So it was very much that kind of, like, get out the vote, rock the vote, but also, like, you got to stick it to that man. Yeah. Musically, musically, this song is actually really interesting. And I do think that they took... They took the really traditional punk sound and played with it a little bit because it is a five and a half minute song, which Rachel yeah. very aptly said is is long for recorded punk. I think like I'm sure a lot of punk bands, you know, if they really got into it like live, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but punk was usually kind of short and fast and loud, and you know, you'd have these bursts. It was like a sprint, but this song is definitely more of kind of the marathon punk. Um, one of my favorite things is between so the the first verse starts out with this very your very traditional rhythm that's punk the guitars are just kind of shredding those chords it's very like headbanging yeah the in the first verse uh or the pre-chorus though you get into this really the drums change and you can hear that the drums and the bass everything changes into um i don't know if they like completely go half time but they are like cut time but they they change the rhythm and it's almost more like they're doing, they kind of like slow it down in an interesting way. It still has that same momentum. Yeah. But like almost now that they're playing like triplet figures instead of that really straight, like bump, 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 bump. There's more of like a to rev you up. So it's musically really interesting. so glad that you picked Pennywise obviously I did not so that's a relief because they're so prolific prolific that's the perfect word they've played so many years of warped Mm -hmm. I want to I need to actually do the proper research for like who has played warped consistently the most over 25 years Mm -hmm. but when I think warped I definitely think Pennywise I think Pennywise I think no effects Mm -hmm. I think blink obviously even though they I don't know how many they played overall but those are like two of the like heavy hitters from day one that yes. I think stuck around and had the longevity. Yeah. But what I really like about this song especially is, yeah, we talked about it's really long, not just for music in general, like a five minute song's a pretty big undertaking, but also for this punk subgenre. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Cause I think 
the MO of these bands in this time were to do like two minutes max and just like rage and then be done. Mm -hmm. But this really riffs and um, it's exactly repetitive enough (laughs) that it's that like traditional punk vibe, but there's some complexity to it. I like that it rises and falls. I like that we have an actual specific hard drop Mm -hmm. involved. And I think it's a little more polished. I think kind of how we were Mm -hmm. talking about um, Everclear in the last episode yeah. not quite to the same extent but I, I associate Pennywise more with like a, more of a dad band just because they've been around the longest mm-hmm. and I think they're a little they like keep it tight like yeah. they tighten it up they have a little bit of a cleaner vocal they enunciate in a way that so many bands did not mm-hmm. at this time and they just feel cleaner to me musically while still honoring that punk vibe yeah. so that's really fun and also like how <laughs> How could you get more, like, quote-unquote punk than, like, society? Right. It's, like, almost... They're so authentic about it, and they're so genuine about the, like, Rage Against Society that it's... Even though it's so on the nose, it it comes from that place of, like, it's not a joke to them. Like, they're really, like, being really upfront with it. Yeah. So I'll give them the pass, even though it is a little, like, okay. It's a little much. (laughs) Yeah, but that's really fun. That's actually a great segue, because part of what I like about this, too, is... I mean, we'll get into this next week in the history episode, but 97 was a really big year and a really heavy year. There was a lot of political stuff going on. There were a lot of big tragedies going on. And I think I noticed more so than when I was looking at stuff in the earlier years I think 97, at least for me, maybe I'm just biased because I did the research on this year, but I think 97, I saw a generous uptick in terms Mm -hmm. of like successful singles that were heavily political and heavily angsty. So I love that you picked that. I feel like that's a great segue into mine. Mine is very 360 vibe wise, but still very in line with what was going on and being mad and like fucking society. So I'm just gonna play it. So this is Let's Face It by the Mighty Boston's. I've definitely referenced them on the pod before. We all know that I fucking love the Mighty Mighty Boston's. I grew up with them. My dad introduced me to them. Um, I distinctly remember like bumping them in the car when I was in like third grade. Like I really oh. started listening to them really young. And arguably, I would trace it back to the Mighty Mighty Boston's taught me how to curse, which is cool. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's let's let's face it, and it's off the album Let's Face It, released in 1997. The Mighty Mighty Boston's did play Warp Tour in 1997 mm-hmm. as well. They were actually solidly on the lineup. Yep. And we'll get into it next week for sure when we talk about the history, but 97 was a really ska-forward year. Yes. Really ska-forward year. And I I mean, I'm biased to shit because they're my favorite ska band, but I think they're a very well-known... They kind of brought ska into the forefront in a big way alongside a lot of other bands, but I think this was huge. And this was also the album that featured the impression that I get, 
which was tempting. I almost picked it. Um, and that's their most well-known single, hands down. It was also featured on the soundtrack of my one of my favorite movies of all time, which is Chasing Amy. Fun fact. <laughs> also came out in 97. Um, I think. Pretty sure. And yeah, so I picked Let's Face It instead uh, because we kind of talked about it a little bit, but it is one of their, it's on like their greatest hits. It's one of their more well-known songs, even though the impression that I get really dominated this album. I think this album in particular is one of their best and one of their most well-known albums as well. This was like a great year for them. And we just saw them in LA a couple months ago. I dragged Zoe there because I had to see them and it was great. And they played so many hits from back in the day and they even addressed it and we're talking about that they love to play the same songs for their fans because it's like what a joy like that's their favorite thing to do and they're not even mad about it and they played this and it was great and their intro to it was really powerful because it's you know 20 fucking years later more than 20 years later and we're still talking about it and the song's still really relevant yes. part of why i picked it too is uh 97 was a big year of unrest there was a lot of tragedy going on there's a lot of intense stuff going on um and I'll bring it up in next week as well. I just keep foreshadowing next week. But um, it was big for violence as well. I mean, like, Notorious B.I.G. was shot in March of 97. There was a lot of gang violence going on. Um, and I think the pop punk community took drew a lot from hip-hop and drew a lot from rap. And then there were rap. Like, Limp Biscuit was on Warped Tour this year. Yeah. Like, there were bands doing that, but they were mostly white. And I don't think a lot of that music reflected what was really going on in that scene. And let's face it, is one of the only kind of pop punk, quote unquote, even though it is ska, but like pop punk ska reference addressing this actual thing. Also, the Mighty Boss Friends are one of the only bands that had not all white dudes in their band. And this song, if you didn't hear the lyrics, is just about like, don't be racist, don't be sexist, don't be a bigot, and give tolerance a try. And the whole chorus is like, let's try to erase it. It's time that we face it. The time is upon us to like be better people and like not be racist sexist pieces of shit but it's like why would someone's preference make you mad and like why would the color of your skin make you mad like you shouldn't care be tolerant and it's just a wholesome little ditty and i think it's super fitting for the year in which this came out Mm -hmm. and we'll get to it more so later but it's just really fitting it's really wholesome it is one of their hits but it's not their biggest hit it encompasses a lot of what was going on not just in like the warp tour scene but what was going on in the world at large and in music at large and that's part of why I love Scott too. We talk about the pop punk melting pot. I mean, Scott is so many things and it's not just one thing. It's not just like a punk vibe. It's not just like brass vibes. It, it really marries everything together. And I think that's part of why this band playing this song just kind of suits that in my mind. It was a nice palate cleanser from the general suburban anger of the other punk bands. Like, like Society, great song, but... It's just like, we're mad, you know, at society as a whole. And you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like, I get it. But I like that the Mind of Boston's, like, just, we're out there. And they're like, don't, we're going to list everything that's wrong with you guys. Don't do it. <laughs> and they're the antithesis to that kind of problematic straight white dude kind of punk. And also punk, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that, like, a lot of punk's history has, like, skinhead shit related to it. And has a lot of really shitty mm-hmm. alt-right stuff involved with it, too. And so to have like a more mainstream ska band with a big single about like don't just be like don't be racist don't be sexist which was huge because like hello the misogyny Mm -hmm. of everything but especially the misogyny of pop punk comes up all the time and to also be queer friendly as well i i just love i love this song what do you think i i'm so glad you picked this because i do think that 
it's been 22 years since this came out and it still sounds so yeah. strong of like this is so such important lyrics I think the thing that's always gotten me about Scott is just that I can't because there are like there's so much care put into these lyrics and so much care put into the message that they're trying to get across but yet you could replace the lyrics with just like random vowels and the song itself would sound just like kind of any other ska yeah. sound yeah which is i think why i've always kind of i haven't really connected with ska as much because i it's so much more music driven like you went to shows to skank and like dance to the same essential yeah. undertone yeah i can't think of a ska song that i've heard that i've that's been like remarkably different because it's been like maybe in more of a minor key or like mm-hmm. it's it's been slower or like had a, like the instruments used a different tone, like the brass and everything is really bright in ska. It's like a very bright sounding yeah. tones. And I appreciate it. Like I'm not ragging on ska, but it right. just is. Doesn't connect with you as much. It, yeah, exactly. Cause it just, I don't feel that same, uh, the difference. Like I just wish, mm-hmm. cause a song like this, which I appreciate though, that they could put out a song like this where they're being so like the lyrics are, so straightforward and yeah. they're, they're really like just and like to you, directly address the listener too. exactly it is a, it's definitely addressing all of the issues that are in society like penny you know pennywise and, and punk are saying we have these you know society is an issue great and then we have the mighty 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 boston saying okay but these are the, the like this is the bullet points of why yeah. and not just of the overall political thing but of like people yeah i think it's just so refreshing to have a song that's like individuals are individuals and a lot of things make up their identity and like why should you care one way or the other if no one's hurting you exactly and that's the other thing about going to see a ska performance live is that it's so difficult to hear the singer and you can never understand them and so it's like they have these really awesome again i almost want to see him do like beat poetry with this yeah like a slam poetry night because it's so i really really connect with these lyrics like give tolerance a try this confusion still exists ignorant mongers no areas gray it's i mean it's just really you know why were we put here what for it's definitely not yeah put here to hate yeah which is so wonderful and like what a great message i do think it gets lost a bit though in i'm sorry in that's part of why i like it actually is because yeah. on first listen you're like cool it's got fun and then you're like wait 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 we got a message yes. Which is cool, and I feel like it was almost subliminal to, like, some of the people in the scene. Yeah. Which, which is, is why I like it, but I get your yeah. analysis as well. That makes total sense. It's, again, and again, I mean, I appreciate any kind of band that has a use of a lot of instrumentation that's yeah. not overly produced, that, you know, that's the other thing I do appreciate about Scott is because it is really formulaic in a way, you can get a lot of people on stage, that, and you can collaborate with a lot of people, yeah. and you can, when we went to see the Mighty Mary Boston's a couple months ago, they had like a, I think like a Mexican ska band play before them. Yeah. And it was so cool to they just were rad. like see how all of these people have taken ska. And like, again, even though it all kind of sounds the same, like don't come for me, but like <laughs> to me, it sounds similar enough between songs, but like there is little bits of this flavor. And for Mighty mm-hmm. Mary Boston's, I definitely think it's the fact that like their lyrics are very yeah. good, very good. And like very, they're saying something with their music. They're using their, uh, platform platform thank you as a way to be like hey this is an issue let's address this issue really yeah. specifically so i appreciate that I do. yeah and i love the let's of it all mm. i think so much of punk is like an us versus them mm. and this song is very much a no all of us need to like be involved in this 
and they're calling themselves out as well because mm-hmm. this is like a as far as i know a straight white dude lead singer right and there are men of color in the band which is great it's still an all dude band in the 90s you know but for their purposes and for their vibe that was huge and they're still going around touring and promoting this and promoting this message and it's aged unfortunately not at all because it's still so so relevant yeah i just love them and they're so wholesome yeah no it's great i think it was a great pick absolutely yeah. thanks second pick uh i'm gonna throw out yet another really random british band for my second pick i know but yet again just like portishead that i chose for 95 96 i wanted to do um this band they are british but they have a female lead singer yes and this song it's just they definitely never played the... I don't think this band ever played Warped Tour, as far mm-hmm. as I know. They did do... Warped did go to London a couple years, though. There we go. They so did maybe, make it across the pond. It was very huge that the times that they did go to London, Warped did exist there, and it was really big in that moment. Yeah. So maybe they did play, like, a small stage there. I don't maybe. think... They're not necessarily... But I'm just saying, culturally, yeah, it was definitely exactly. all still happening for them, even though we were separate. True. Um... So, yes. So, this song is just, it's going to be a real good, this is going to be the feel-good song for today. And I feel like we all need a little 90s feel-good. A little TLC, pun intended. This is Summertime by the Sundays. Funky as shit, dude. Ooh. Ooh. Hello, partner. And it's you and me in the summertime. We'll be hand in hand down in the park. We're gonna squeeze in a sign and a twinkle in your eye. The sunshine vanishes the dark. The Sundays. Is it spelled with a Y or is it spelled with an E? With a Y, okay. but that Just would checking. be real. She's like a mellow cute. little Sunday, but I'm like, what if they were cutesy? What if they really love dairy products? <laughs> you know, well, ice cream Sunday. Yeah. Briar's ice cream just like sponsored. It's like the <laughs> cow imagine? band. Yes, I could actually. <laughs> um, so this is off of their last album, Wild. Static and Silence. It came out in '97. Ooh, Static and Silence sounds like a Hawthorne Heights album. A hundred. That's like actually a precursor to the emo movement, I think. It, it, right, and also the album uh, album cover is a moon. Is just like a picture of the moon. Of course it is. Right. Yeah. Mood. So they they remind me all at once of like a 
up more upbeat like less produced version of churches mixed with um a little bit of the hush sound mm-hmm. mixed with what else did we say almost like a skosh of metric i feel too because she's that, like kind of whispery yes mm-hmm. there is it's definitely again I know you all put up with me choosing these really weird British bands, <laughs> but this song is just, it's the hug that you need. And I feel like 97, because like all that shit was happening in the world and politically, and you know, you always like just so much, un, like, Princess sh- Di died this year too. Oh, Fucked up a I lot of people. I remember where I was with that. Um, so you have all of this happening, but it was still the nineties. Yeah. It was still like arguably one of the best decades of yeah. the 1900s. Um, and so you still had this like kind of like carefree rom-com. Yeah. We were looking forward to the new millennium, but we were still kind of squeezing the last out of the nineties. Exactly. And this is just such a classic, like rock alternative love song. It's Mm -hmm. literally the lyrics are just like, it's you and me in the summertime. We'll be hand in hand down at the park with a squeeze and a sigh and that twinkle in your eye. It's kind of the, and all the sunshine banishes the dark. That's so cute. It's kind of the like hello goodbye of this era. Yes. It's like the female led kind of hello goodbye vibe. Yes. Where we talked about in the love songs episode, mm-hmm. here in your arms is just like you lo- you fell in love at summer camp. Yeah. And this is very similar to that. I think yeah. uh, musically it's different. Interestingly so. I love yeah. the horns in this. Yes. The really subtle horns. Yeah. Which, again, I appreciate any band that includes more than just your traditional four-piece yeah. or three-piece uh, setup. So, exactly. it's Her voice is really nice. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. It's really pleasant. It's bright. It's very easy to listen to. Um, the band itself seems just pretty mellow they broke up after this album so like not really sure what happened there but this is their third and final this is their swan song yeah exactly uh it did achieve a top 10 spot on the u.s alternative charts wow yeah so i didn't realize it had such massive u.s success it did and i'm sure i'm sure this song is in some way like somebody put this on uh you know, like, 10 Things I Hate About You, or... It was definitely on a lot of mixtapes. A hundred percent. Definitely in the soundtracks. So, it's, uh, again, it's not not really necessarily, like, a a deep, you know, feeling song, but it's just the... But I think that's part of the charm of it. Yeah, it's just kind of easy. It's a very surface, like, we're content, and that's enough today. Contentment, and I do feel like the 90s had that contentment vibe. Like, there was all that unrest, kind of, Mm -hmm. under the surface, but, like... It was very much the like nice it was when you looked at the 90s mm-hmm. and if you object like if you just kind of had like a one quick glance over the 90s it'd be like oh you know economic growth and like people were overall pretty happy and like you know what i mean there was mm-hmm. kind of that like bubble but then of course like nothing's ever perfect there's right. actually all these issues well i think that's part i can't think of another time in music history in which there was such an immense diversity of mm successful in the mainstream multi-genre moments yes such as this i love the sundays i love that you picked them i feel like they're the nice in between between like the sugar sweet spice girls moment Mm -hmm. and the like riot girl movement they like if it's a sliding scale and the sundays are a little more on the spice girl side of things but i think they had a little more of an edge and especially in the uk especially considering like the Eurovision song that's sickly fucking sweet and I think horrible, but it is a sweet song overall. Right. Um, yeah, I think they were the nice little in between. They were a nice little palate cleanser as to what was going on without yes. being the totally in your face 
Spice Girls Backstreet in sync kind of moment. What's your second pick? So this is hilarious because my next song is female-led, but it is the antithesis of what you picked. Excellent. It is truly the antithesis of what you picked. by Bikini Kill. They did not officially release a full album in 1997. This was released as a single. It was on a compilation that I cannot remember the name of at this moment, but it was released as a single in 1997, which is why I picked it. Um, arguably, their base hit is Rebel Girl, and that's the following year, technically. But uh, I couldn't not go for Kathleen Hanna. I love Kathleen Hanna. I love her voice always, but I really love it on this song. She is literally screaming at you, mm-hmm. and then she has that kind of classic for her that like iconic Kathleen Hanna kind of whisper pleading almost baby voice it is almost baby voice it's kind of creepy it's like on the it's on the cusp and I think that's very intentional I mean so the opening lyric of this song is I'm the little girl at the picnic who won't stop pulling her dress up and there was this whole and I mean this was also apologies for this term but this was the kinder whore movement Mm. uh whole and Courtney Love they were very much doing the like butterfly clips and like baby doll dresses and um, this like hard sexualized kind of thing juxtaposed with this like little girl moment. Mm-hmm. I think as not really a form of satire, but kind of as a form of, I don't know, protest. I mean, just being hyper aware of how girls, especially girls are sexualized and kind of reclaiming that and making that their own. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, the title of the song is New Radio. I think it's so brilliant because it's so representational of the right girl movement for me mm-hmm. and literally new radio like they're claiming the radio waves they're pushing their own music out on their own terms and it's actually being successful and people are actually listening to it and resonating with it it's the whole girls to the front movement that was not at warped and should have been mm-hmm. and this was going on at the same time and i would be remiss not to mention it and i think they were doing a lot of similar things to like the no effects of the world but in a different in my opinion, more powerful way. And it's got all the hallmarks of punk for me. There's literal screaming, like actual like screaming. 
Um, there's just a lot of the one of the verses is just whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so there's this simplicity to it, but there's also this complexity to it. There's so much power in how brief it is. It's a very brief song. The lyrics are very sparse. And I mean, it opens with I'm a little girl at the picnic, which I said, but one of the verses is what the fuck is written all over your pretty face, the gaps in teeth, the dirty nails, baby boy, you can't kill what's fucking real. Like just calling out these like these boys, these shitty boys, you know, (laughs) and um, come here, baby. Let me kiss you like a boy does is one of my favorite lyrics. And I just think it's so badass. I mean, I'm queer, so I'm going to internalize that lyric, but (laughs) just of uh, the whole idea of like, I'm going to do shit. That's not ladylike. I'm going to do shit that you told me not to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what you think about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do the shit that boys do and fuck you if you don't want me to. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And it's the girls to the front thing. And it's just so fun and powerful and intense. I also have to mention the final lyric of this song that is very gross. Uh, I apologize in advance to my parents who definitely listen to this podcast. The last lyric of this song is let's wipe cum on my parents' bed, which I don't like. So I was with her the whole song. Yeah. Until then. I feel like she like got up on her soapbox at the slumber party and was like, yeah, ladies, let's do this. And then she got a little too carried away and she lost him at the end. Yeah. In my mind. Yeah. I get the sentiment of this not the literal like let's do that but like let's be sexual on our own terms Mm -hmm. let's reclaim space let's fuck over authority that i get Mm -hmm. it's just such a i use the word visceral so much on this podcast but it's such a visceral lyric that makes me cringe that's my one complaint about this song it's so randomly graphic yeah but i think that's part of the power i mean the song opens with her saying like she's fucking lifting her skirt up and then the end of it is let's wipe cum on stuff i mean and she does it with this like baby doll voice and then she like lulls you into this like sense of security with her like whispery kind of and then screams at you and she can be both and she can be sweet and tender and emotional and she can be sexual and empowered and she just it's all the yes ands Mm -hmm. that i love about the right girl movement as a whole, but what I especially love about Kathleen Hanna and what she did with all of her music, not just Bikini Kill, but Julie Ruin. What do you think? This song makes me uncomfortable a little bit because exactly like what you're saying, like it's the baby voice always freaks me out. I think when women do that, it's such a tool that women can use, but it's also so odd. And, um... Ew. But I, and that last, I just can't get over that last lyric. It just, I agree. Yeah. I don't feel like the song needed it. I really oh, see. Don't. I like it. I feel like it's like, she's gross on purpose. Cause all these dumb boys are saying dumb shit and they're like doing two minute punk songs about like jizzing and why shouldn't she? I but guess. it is still gross. I guess. I feel like, okay. But like, why should you bring your parents into it? You yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you could have. Cause of authority. It's true. True. Um, but yeah, no, I get it. It's, we've said this before. I think um, talking about some female singers in the the punk scene, but I I want to echo it again that I it's great that you know they 
didn't have to sound pretty because none of the right. dudes sound good. No, because nobody honestly like to be a punk vocalist, you really you just don't need to have stamina. To, yeah, you more than anything stamina. else. Stamina. Mm-hmm. You have stamina. You have to know what you're doing a little bit because if you don't, yeah. you'll blow your voice. You have to project enough and not shred your fucking vocal cords. Right. But There's a lot of body support that you need to sing punk to be able to do it night after night. But the tone quality, how crisp you are with your lyrics is not important. And I I think it, like if we look at Kathleen Hanna versus um, the lead singer of The Sundays, you know, mm-hmm. it's Harriet uh, Wheeler, I think. Her name Harriet something, um, you know we have that real again that break of like the really you know kind of pretty singing that we get from these bands for women the kind of like if you're gonna sing about you know kind of summer love like it needs to sound pretty but then if you're gonna have if you like if you don't want to do that though like you can like there was a space and I definitely think it was a space that women specifically had to go and create like no one else. And the punk scene was like offering this up for women. Like Kathleen Hanna definitely had to go out and be like, no, I'm going to sound like this. I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. They're definitely part of the genre. I don't think they ever got as much uh, notoriety as they should have. Um, but I think it was very much an after the fact thing. Yes. I think um, I personally got into it a lot. I mean, uh, Rubber Girl was on Rock Band. So that nice. was cool yeah. to have that moment, to have that like in a video game growing up. Right. But I think they had a second coming in like the... 2000s 2010s yeah and now we're finally recognizing them in a way that we didn't before mm-hmm. but i still think it's tragically underrepresented i think we need to talk oh, more about it 100 and also i'd be remiss to mention that most of these women were all white right yes yeah, <laughs> so exactly. that's unfortunate but right conversation for a different episode so it's not perfect but it definitely made space in a way that we didn't have mm-hmm and certainly that Warped Tour was not affording us at this time. Mm-hmm. That I don't think they fully ever afforded us. Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. Paramore helped, but it's still an imperfect system. I mean, look at how many women are on the 25th anniversary tour. Not a lot. Not a lot. So um, it's still very pertinent. It's still very relevant. Yeah. My last song. Oh boy. I I'm just feel like I need to apologize in advance. Hey, I did 303 last week. That's so. true. That's true. But like, I, so, okay. I picked this song because they, this band 100% played Warped Tour this year. Mm-hmm. They were like a main, they were like, there, there were, were no headliners. Headliner. Yeah. They, right. Like Warped Tour didn't have headliners, whatever, whatever. But like this band played the whole fucking they summer. They technically did have headliners. Okay, well... Because the, the way they set up the stage. No, but I'm... True, I'm, true. You're right. The they were a headliner. Yeah, they were... This band was a headliner. If we're tour. talking about who I think we are. We are talking about who we think we are because this band has just become kind of a joke. And I... I mean, I don't... I think it... To me, it has at least. Maybe not. I mean, I'm sure there's like somebody uh, out there have that's you seen like... seen the... We'll get there. <laughs> So I just, I mean, you knew it was coming. I played Pennywise for you guys. Come on. like You, you made to the sacrifice. Your... You did punk shit for us. I did punk shit for you so that I could play this because it, I think if we didn't have this song on this episode, like we had, we just had to play this because it, it was arguably one of the biggest songs of 97 and probably the biggest songs of the late nineties. So the opinions of Zoe Melcher are not indicative of the opinions of the podcast. <laughs> no, as well. I'm, I'm not, just kidding. I'm not even saying, but like <laughs> on the charts, just no, like yeah, on yeah. top, this we, like became we a would top be 40 dipshits song. to not acknowledge yes, this because yes. it was so And I'm going to make you all listen to it yep. because I had to listen to it again. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't even pull it up when I was researching. Further ado. Fly by Sugar Ray. Do you just want to fly? I just want to die. They say I just want to fly 13 times in the full version. On every single one. On every single one. You you feel each one. You feel each one. This is off of their album Floored. Um, So I picked this because, again... They did headline. They headlined Warped Tour this year. Which is crazy. Arguably their most well-known song. Yeah. This song, I'm not even going to look, but I'm sure made, like, it was number one on Billboard. Like, the real, like, like Billboard Top 40. Not even the alternative charts. Like, Top 40 Billboard for probably weeks. This song came out in, like I said, 97 on the album. I should mention that the album had this song on it twice. Because the first version... Yeah, because the first version that's on the album is actually a reggae version with Supercat. And then at the very end... Can you please play part of the reggae version? Yes, I will play part of the reggae version. What it is? All nice and decent, slip with the crew. This is Mr. Cat and Sugar Ray riding through. Want me to tell the man she have been intoxicated, but I love high man like a genie, but I call me the fly. Some of us have virgin to me, I beg her to the first tribes in the water, come back. First of all, I cannot stand that slide in the guitars or the whatever. I, I like that. That's it. actually the one thing I like about this song. I hate it. It's like, at least they have a calling card. At least it's unique. Also, these this album, please do yourself a favor. Go Google what this album cover looked like because it definitely looked like somebody got on like word art on <laughs> this paint and put it together. It is horrifically bad. So this peaked at two on the U.S. adult charts. Um According to Wikipedia, number one, the U.S. alt charts and number one on the U.S. pop charts. So it truly is technically alt pop, alt pop, because it did peak at number one on both. It was number one in Canada. It did not do as well in the U.K. or Australia, though. No fucking surprise. That's not their biggest hit, though. Allegedly. Every morning is U.S. gold. Oh, that's true. Okay. I don't know that song off the top of my head, to be honest. I'll probably know if you play it, but... I don't want to look up this. Uh... I like every morning more than I, I like do. Fly. Remember this? Why did I think Cheryl Crow did this song? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so wait, what's the album? Every called? morning was ninety nine. Uh, this is off of Floored. Shigeru is a band, though. I I never really got into them necessarily because again, they were. They weren't really... Uh, they were like, uh, I mean, like, Sugar Ray, Matchbox 20. Yeah. There were these, like, kind of 
very 90s like pop chart but not quite pop bands who were popular at that time that I just wasn't into that I would like I knew their songs from the radio and I could probably sing along to most of them but it wasn't my thing ever I didn't ever go see it was like adult contemporary yeah (laughs) which is just again so interesting to me and why I wanted to choose it because it was like Warped Tour really was trying to appeal to everybody as much as they could right and off of the 97 lineup like Sugar Ray just wow that album art's bad it's so bad oh boy it's really bad it is really bad and Mark McGrath thought he looked hot Hot. on it you know he thought like ooh this this cover fucks but it doesn't so bad sorry mom mom told me to stop saying fuck on the podcast but like I'm a punk kid I can't be contained so I really I mean honestly I don't have too much to say like I'm not even gonna look at the lyrics because like I'm sure he meant something by the song I cannot like I have no energy to try and figure it out but do you think they'll play 2020 pride sugar gay (laughs) honestly I would be here for that (laughs) (laughs) Mark McGrath would melt in the sun he has so much at this point he has had so much work done yeah um isn't he all his silicone would like yeah melt and like redistribute (laughs) so I, I put this again I put this on here because I mean I, I felt like I you had to. to. Um, you had to. You, we had to go through that together. Yeah, and that was a journey, and yeah, I think we're all stronger for it. We are. So, and they have, did headline. They, I mean, yeah. the kids at Warped Tour, whether you liked them or not, right? they, they bore witness to this because yes. they had to. Right. And uh, I would love to see, like, Blink 182's reaction to like oh being to like sharing a stage with Sugar Ray. Right. I wonder if they like hit it off or not. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like Mark McGrath's hard to work with. So <laughs> I don't know. Statement. Uh, any other thoughts you have on the classic Fly by Sugar Ray? No, I'm just gonna reiterate that um I just wanna die. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I just wanna die. That's the punch arms around your Tell me out, call us. I just wanna die. Make it the emo anthem it always should have been. <laughs> yeah. Put it in a minor key, slow it down, yes. I just want to die. But keep all those slides. Oh. <laughs> Hate them. Alright, right, are we ready? Yeah. So I, you so graciously, I mean we can't not do blink. Yep. All the time on this podcast. <laughs> so we, Zoe does not know what I picked, but I, I definitely had to run it by her. Like, did you pick blank or can I? Because it's just kind of a matter of who will use it. Um, so obviously I'd be an idiot to not include them in this. They did headline warp this year. Dude Ridge came out in 97, which is one of their better albums in my opinion. I'm going to play my song. This is Damn It by Blink-182. And it's happened once again. I'll turn to a friend. Someone that understands. Sees through the master plan. But everybody's gone. And I've been here for too long. The face is on my own. Well, I guess this is growing up. Well, I guess this is growing up. Yeah. 
It's my, it's tied for first, but it is my favorite Blink-182 song. It's tied with Anthem Part 2. Nice. Which is also so good. Um, it's shocking because I'm such a Tom girl, but like I said, Mark's, yeah. Mark's whiny in this, which is why I like it. And it's just, it's so them. It's so classic pop punk, revs you up, ebbs and flows in a way that's still satisfying. And I think especially compared to like the Pennywise track you picked and like No Effects and the Descendants and all of those bands that were happening, they were more traditional punk, steady, angry all the way through. And I think Blink was just more of that relaxed, fun summer vibe. And they were like the fun side of this otherwise very angry lineup. It was like you had Scott, you had angry, and then you had Blink in the middle. And it worked really beautifully. And I mean, to the stakes, they're still very famous. And I love the drums on this song, which is amazing because it's not Travis. It's the original drummer, Scott. Mm. Scott Rayner is on this. He's in the video. And uh, I get the vibe when you watch the video, which is a very fun video, though it is problematic. Um, I just get the vibe that he doesn't want to be on camera. (laughs) I think he was very much like the Bob, like the MCR, like Bob, like was not here for the spotlight, just here for the music. I'm just going to put down this sweet, sweet drum track. Exactly. But his drums are great on this. Yes. And uh, they they really slap. I'm so impressed because that was always the thing about Blink is because, again, we've been talking about like punk can be kind of formulaic. Scott can be kind of formulaic. The drums have like a very specific rhythm. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of pop punk faves, I mean, we talked about this last week, didn't we, where... The drums are actually very understated, and the bass is where the song really comes out. And Blink's so the opposite. I mean, they have great bass, but it's very basic. The drums are so complex. Yeah. And he's a virtuoso, dude. He just is. Like a textbook. Like, that is virtuosity. It's so good. So... This is one of my favorite songs. It's fun. It's goofy, but it's got some heart to it. I think the lyrics are really fun and interesting because... It's very pop punk. I mean, the opening is, it's all right to tell me what you think about me. I won't try to argue or hold it against you. And so you're like, okay, it's already a little self-deprecating. <laughs> and then, um, you know, just like the whole chorus. And there's it's happened once again. Um, everybody's gone and I've been here for too long. I guess this is growing up. So it's very much the um, precursor to their more emo sounding shit i don't think blink i don't consider blink an emo band Mm -hmm. but i think untitled especially like got into the emo kind of territory and that's obviously a lot later Mm -hmm. these lyrics just bring in a lot of interesting sad boy vibes (laughs) while still being a very palatable very summer warp tour pop punk yeah moment at the same time and it's just yeah i guess this is growing up it's just so indicative of their key demo of like teens in the middle of nowhere going out to the fucking heat and just jumping around for a weekend and it's the growing pains of being mad at nothing yeah. and being mad at everything yeah absolutely but please tell me your thoughts i don't have too much to add i i love blink i'm glad that they made yet another appearance on the podcast um yeah i mean no i just keep bringing it back but well, i can't not they, they, def- they have defined the genre yeah. in so many ways um i love the the inclusion of uh, a little bit of that um acoustic guitar in yeah. the bridge i guess yeah um right at the end there is really nice um or i guess it's like kind of at the end of the the re- repetition of well i guess this is growing up that's always really nice to to include another sound that's especially acoustic guitar which is not really necessarily like a punk sound that we hear a lot um 
No, it's great. I always forget that this is Mark, and that I'm always like pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Uh, because I, and I love Mark. I feel like we've yeah. been bagging on Mark on this podcast. That's not the intention. I'm just such a Tom girl. But Tom really like def- has his voice is so specific. Yeah, I think Mark really sounds. Mark's a little more palatable, I would argue. Yeah, because and that's he, why I don't like him as much. Yeah, <laughs> he sounds more like what you would anticipate from a punk pop punk sound. Yeah. Um, well, and I think that's. I mean, chicken or the egg, because I yeah, think so true. many vocalists after him or around that same time were forming themselves off of his example. True. True. I think again, Blink is one of those bands that every single part of the band is necessary and needed and works really well together. Yeah. Like definitely the drums really shine at things or Tom's voice or whatever it is, but they wrote in a way that they all lift each other up and they're all very much at the same level, which is great because there's definitely some songs and some bands where you know, you have just like really great lyrics and then the music's not quite there mm-hmm. or it's ugh, vice versa. So yeah. um, it's always really nice to listen to Blink because they, I mean, all they, there. they had it all. Yeah. They're exactly. all there. And I think there's so much power in the fact that they're a trio. Yes. And there's so much power in the fact that there's not one front man. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, they really carry each other and especially the early shit like this. You just feel, you can just feel how tight they were. They really were best friends and that's why their breakup was so, like, so devastating. I just love Blink and they mean so much to me and they're so representational of Warped to me. So we have a couple of honorable mentions, I'm sure, yes. for 97. I actually just have two. Okay. Um, there was, I mean, a lot of great music in 97. Uh, I wanted to mention that um, I know for all of you out there screaming, why didn't we have the offspring on this? Mm. Calm down. I They are very much included for me in 98. So stick around. I love the offspring. Be- I also honorable mentioned them last time. Yeah, exactly. They're uh, great. Definitely. Well, and I argue... Um, a lot of their songs, but especially uh, Come Out and Play, yeah. are just good fucking songs on their own. Yeah. I don't even want to... I feel like it's insulting to be like... In terms of pop punk, I'm like, no, in terms of music, that's a fucking slapper. It's such a good song, and it holds up, and it's so timeless that I almost feel cheap kind of putting it in the Warped Tour lens because they played Warped, but that was so not def- definitive of them. The Offspring kind of transcend Warped Tour, for sure. Yeah. They're, yeah, but I do feel like, again, it's... Like important to mention them. Their yeah. album in '97 was "Ixnay on the Ombre," um, and that had songs uh, like "Gone Away" and "I Choose." Um, so these were really big yeah. uh, songs, and so I, again, definitely honorable mention. But they are just all the time. '98, yeah. they'll definitely come up for '98. And, well, and they'll come up for our fun episodes all the time. Yeah, totally. I think we both love the Offspring, and I believe they're playing. They're playing the reunion yes. this year. Yeah, which will be wild. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, so they're definitely yeah. a classic. My other one is not a Warped Tour person, but I just feel like, again, it's 97. If I don't mention yeah. her, it's going to be such a disappointment. But Fiona Apple, Criminal. 
dude. Like, I mean. So this is a different episode for a different day. But the criminal video I actually traced back as being my sexual awakening. Wow. Um, I love Fiona Apple so much. And I listen to her constantly to this day on the regs. I didn't even consider her for this because I just think of her always. Yeah. So again, like. But yeah, she was like 19. Yeah. On title. Ugh. And she's so talented. And she had such a developed voice. Yes. Very similar to Alanis in a lot of ways, I think. Just in terms of virtuosity so young and living a life so young. Agreed. And again, this is definitely a conversation for another day, but there were a lot of bands that didn't quite, like, and not even bands, but like specifically single female, solo female acts like uh, Alanis Morissette and Fiona Apple that they like, they were their own thing. They created their own space for themselves that wasn't the punk scene. So it wouldn't be really warped to her, but it definitely wasn't uh, Britney Spears and yeah. Christina Aguilera. You know, they were but their it wasn't own even, place. It wasn't even Cheryl Crow. It wasn't even right. some of the like female quote-unquote singer-songwriters that were winning Grammys. Yeah. It was, I mean, and I think they both won Grammys. I think they both won Grammys. But they were very it, much their own right. Yeah. And especially Alanis. I mean, honorable bitch to her always, because yeah. she's always on my mind. Exactly. But um, she was very rock, but she wasn't, but she was. Yeah. And she was very alternative, but she wasn't, but she was. Right. And... Her, I mean, she, I had a great conversation with one of my friends recently. Shout out to Kenzie, friend of the pod, um, about when we first realized that like female rage was acceptable. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was a big moment growing up with uh, Jagged Little Pill. Mm-hmm. Her performance in that allowed me to understand and compartmentalize my own anger growing up and understand that like female rage is very valid. And that's part of why I made that playlist, which is on my Spotify, uh, which also features um, Sleep to Dream by Fiona Apple. Yes. And they were just making... I mean, they were a little more mainstream success, obviously. Well, a lot more mainstream success than the Riot Girl movement. Mm-hmm. But they were very much carving space out for themselves as well. Yeah. It just wasn't in the, like, punk girls to the front kind of way. It yeah. was on their own terms as, as individuals. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. Yeah. So I just had to shout her out because... I love Fiona Apple. It's Fiona Apple. I have a couple. Um, I mean, I already mentioned... The impression that I get is the most well-known Mind Made Boston song. It's a great song. Um, I just like the message... Of let's face it, and I think let's face it fit into de- definitively a '97 kind of space, whereas the impression that I get just kind of reads as ska in that whole era. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Josie by Blink One Eighty Two. That's off Dude Ranch. It's one of my favorite nice. Blink One Eighty Two yeah. songs as well, and it's a very sweet kind of love song. It's a little self-deprecating for my taste, which is why I didn't pick it for like our love song episode. But um, to like genuinely sing about a woman and feeling things for her, and like acknowledging that she's too good for you i just love that vibe Mm -hmm. and josie itself as a song is just really fun so those obviously um i mentioned it a little bit before honorable mention to slater kinney um i had pulled dig me out as an option for this i just didn't think the lyrics were as complex as the bikini kill song i picked but dig me out's really good it's a really fun like angry classic riot girl vibe um also Shout out to the Get Up Kids who are playing Warped at this time as well. They're actually playing one of the smaller stages. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just feel like they're so larger than life, especially in the emo community mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I flagged Don't Hate Me as an option just because it's like so like, oh, don't hate me. It's just right. like very, very much the precursor to emo. And we'll get into that a little bit in the next episode about the 1997 history. But um, yeah, so the Get Up Kids. And then finally... I gotta bring them up. I fucking love them. And I was delighted to find out that they played Warped Tour that year is Social social Distortion. Yeah. I love yes. Social Distortion. Yeah. 
I love their sound. I love his voice. And so I pulled Don't Drag Me Down, which is one of their more well-known hits as well that came out in 97. And it's really great. And I really struggled because uh, I wanted to pick it. But I thought the conversation around it's really similar to the conversation that I wanted to have about Mind My Boston's. Mm -hmm. And I figure as great as Social Distortion is, 97 was so ska heavy. I'd be dumb not to bring up ska. But I really want to shout that out. That was almost my my song of choice and uh social distortion just fucks they're so good but yes yeah, those are my honorable mentions okay well 97 obviously had some really amazing music happening yeah it was also definitely a good bridge year between coming out of grunge finally yeah. and then moving into what was going to happen at the end of the 2000s which yeah. is some really exciting stuff so yeah I hope you enjoyed all of these songs. Let us know on our social medias. Yeah, show uh, us out. Give songs, us suggestions. Yeah, I was going to say, let us know what 97 songs really spoke to you, what you would consider your pop punk songs of 97 are. Yeah. Um, we will be back next week with the history episode that Rachel has been so lovingly referring to all day. <laughs> um, <laughs> Self-promoting in a big way. Perfect. So if you're now, if your curiosity is spiked on what actually happened in 97 at work tour definitely give that a listen that'll be coming out next week and uh, you can again follow us on all social medias we were not lost in that myspace uh issue that they had this past week with like losing everybody's myspace pre 2012 yeah we're fine we're good but uh if r.i.p though i know what glorious archives now scrubbed i the interface Probably is so different Probably for the now. best, but yeah. like, meh. Well, but the interface is so different now. Yeah. I don't even know if those profiles are capable of remaining on right. that, on the new <laughs> medium anyway. But, but hit us up. That'd be hilarious. Um, yeah. From Rachel and I, thanks so much for listening to A Warp to Remember. Bye. I was one of the original pussycat dolls, but actually, fun fact, I was too pretty. <laughs>